Welcome to How to Get a Job College Student Edition, the podcast for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights from students who have completed the Mastering College to Career Mentoring Program, networking opportunities, and unique insights from industry thought leaders. So if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Master in College Two Career Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk about a topic that is not talked about enough. We're going to be talking about rejection and accepting rejection. And, and to me, I think rejection is a positive thing because it makes you stronger. But to talk about this important topic, I have Basant Shinoda with me today. And if you never heard of her, you're missing out. She is awesome and she has an amazing LinkedIn profile where she's always putting out some amazing content, sharing her story, being open, being vulnerable, talking about rejection, talking about her success, talking about her failures. And every time I read it, I resonate. And even though we're very different, we've experienced very similar things. And I think that's the beautiful thing about her content. So I highly encourage you to connect with her. Uh, Her link, her information is on the show notes, but without further ado, Basant, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, Daniel. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to have this conversation with you because we just don't talk about rejection enough. And we always seem to, we live in this social media world that is like a highlight reel. If we think about what Instagram is, what Facebook is, it's, we share all the good things that we do and none of the bad. And I think it's that what happens to us, you know, the rejections that we get, the failures that we get is that makes us stronger. And so the fact that you're so open about it and you talk about it so much on your LinkedIn is why I'm so excited to have you here. Um, And so before we dive into this topic, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm a three-year-old Egyptian. About five years ago, I moved to Germany to pursue a bachelor's degree in marketing. And through my journey as a student, I was able to develop my career development skills and just being able to network and all these things. And through my college, I was able to document that and share it with other people. And a huge part of my story is rejection and just being able to jump these hurdles and work smart, not hard, especially as an international. And just documenting that, I've been able to build this incredible community um, that isn't just something that I carry as a number. It's incredibly special to me, my support system and the system I support as well. And yeah, it's been so incredible. Um, also career coach. So I love sharing my journey with people and inspiring them through their own journeys as well. And it's been such a special experience. And I, I love what I do. And I love that I get to do this every single day. Um, yeah, excited to be here. That's amazing. So let's talk about rejection. When when was the first time that you realized that it's okay to talk about this? Ooh, I think it's a process that I'm still getting used to in a way. Um, it's when you're one of the very few people doing it and you're the one of the very few people speaking about these like almost taboo topics. It's scary because you're putting yourself in this vulnerable space of I'm not doing so well right now. I'm failing um, all these different things. So has got easier but little process of um being okay with it almost because it is a scary experience sharing that part of you with so many people um but i think the first time i realized this was when i was just 
constantly getting rejected at one point I was kind of like and, and I, I need to share this with people if I'm speaking to my fellow international my fellow students this is such a prominent part of our life it happens every single day and no one is speaking about this and that's when I wanted to share that kind of like story and that kind of voice and like you said it resonates with so many people because no one speaks about it and I think we need to be more open about like the small, the small wins, the big failures, all these, all these things. I, I agree. Like, I think it's very difficult to talk about it. Like, and, and me personally, I feel like I'm an open book, but I also think that I don't do a good enough job talking about my failures that I'm dealing with at a present moment. Mm. Right. So I have no problem talking about my failures that happened in the past and yeah. looking back at it and saying, Hey, what I learned what I still struggle to this day, right, mm. is talking about the failures that I'm currently having. Because every day that goes by, I have failures. We all have failures. We don't have a perfect day. There's no such thing as a perfect day. Um, we might have perfect moments, but, like, there's no such thing as a perfect day. And, like, I honestly don't know. Like, I think for me, it's a mental block in the sense of saying if, I'm, if I open up to if, – if I open and share my failures – Will people look down upon that? And then would that hurt my business? Like, I don't, you know, like I'm just being very open and vulnerable right now, but that is the truth. Absolutely. And I think when you're in the moment, you don't know what's going to happen. You're in this like limbo of, okay, it could get better tomorrow. It could get better in a month. If I'm open about it now, this could hurt me. Like exactly what you said. Um, but I think there's so much power in building community around that. So while I was job hunting, I didn't have an answer for everyone. I was very open about that. I was saying like, you know, my day isn't here today. Our day isn't here today still, but our time is going to come. And that's was kind of like the powerful force through the whole thing. It was our time is going to come. I'm going through this. We're going through this. We're going to make it through this. Um, and I think there's a lot of power in that and a lot of, community building aspect to it and I think it is still a powerful experience sharing your um like vulnerable self after you've gone through but I think it's a different kind of an experience when you kind of share it while you're going through it that's like kind of a raw kind of like emotion to it so when I was a college student um in 2012 LinkedIn I had a LinkedIn account but creating content on LinkedIn was just not something that existed. It, it was, you had a LinkedIn account more and you only used it when you were looking for a job, right? I look at your journey and I follow your journey uh, through LinkedIn and you've been very open about it. Do you feel that talking about your wins and losses on LinkedIn has hurt you or helped you in getting offers or getting jobs? That's a really good question. I've never thought about the hurt aspect. I can speak about the, the helping aspect first. Um, it has been almost a pillar and a shadow that helps amp up my um, job hunt in general. So for example, if I'm applying to something and then I connect with the hiring manager or I connect with the person, the recruiter, whoever it is, they are looking at my content, my story, who I am as they are screening me, as they are interviewing me, all these different aspects of the job hunt. So in general, it has not hurt me. Um, because it's just been able to amp up um, thing that I'm already doing. It adds a different layer. So you have your resume, you have your interviews and all of that. But this is one aspect of you. Um, sharing your story and different things that like highlighting your soft skills, your hard skills through your story, your content, 
that's a different experience. And it's a way to keep in touch with people, um, like a huge mass of people at once. And the only thing that I can think of that has hurt me, not in like a strong sense, but when you're very open about things, especially when you're job hunting, especially when you're, um, you're going through your career, sometimes it helps when you're not incredibly open because information is power, right? So that's the only thing I can think of, but it's about playing it smart, um, knowing when you should talk, when you shouldn't. But other than that, it's been incredible. Because I'm asking you questions like this because I want to position, I want to think about it like if I was one of my students and what is, I encourage my, so all my students that I mentor, I encourage them to post at least three times a week on LinkedIn. There's this power of LinkedIn and some of the ideas that I, because they struggle with creating content for LinkedIn. They don't know the boundaries of what's too personal, what's professional and what's going to hurt them. And I find that your content is amazing, but like, your job that you have lined up is with LinkedIn. So I see them valuing the content. Now, what's your opinion on another company, a more conservative company, when, when you see someone posting so much on LinkedIn? Like, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. So I'm trying to see what your, your thoughts are. And we can maybe have a dialogue about yeah. it because I think LinkedIn is all about it. LinkedIn's strategy is they want more people to create content. They, but what about another company? Absolutely. So when I was um, in the recruitment process, hiring managers in a more conservative industries like insurance, places like that, would look at my content and think of it more as me showcasing myself. Uh, I'm, I'm, it really depends on what you're posting, right? So if you're, some people I see posting very unprofessional pieces of content, I'm sure if anyone saw that, at LinkedIn or not, that won't be something that helps boost your um, application process in general. Um, I was posting about my story of resilience. So I was showcasing those specific soft skills and I was going for more sales, more aggressive kind of positions where I need to show that resilience and like dedication. And when someone would read that, they would see that. It wasn't, why are you posting so much or whatever. Um, I think also a lot of people can't, can't think of them posting themselves when they see someone posting that's like a big deal right um, and I think I saw the statistic that only one percent of the people on LinkedIn are posting so personally from my experience it has been all good with all kinds of industries all kinds of people um, but of course everything's subjective so I don't, I don't know <laughs> no no I, I agree with you I think you know and, and this is more of a dialogue right like it's not meant to be Here's what I think, you know, I think every student should post. And I think depending on your personality, that should determine how you post, right? Yeah. Some people are more introverted and they hold their feelings to themselves. And that's perfectly fine. We are not, I'm not saying that every student should look at your content and post the same way you do, because that mm -hmm. is you and that is not them. And I want you to find your voice and your personality as you post. Some idea, and I, I do believe that when you have clarity about what you want to do, what your career goals are and your aspirations are, you can create content around gaining visibility from those companies and those recruiters because visibility is more important than ability in getting you to the interview and getting you to the interview is important. Your ability is ultimately what's going to help you get that job, right? You can, I can portray myself as being the most knowledgeable student ever and get to the interview. But if I don't know how to do the job, I'm not going to get the job, but you still need the visibility to get there. So 
my advice to all students is you should be posting at least two to three times every single week on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think you should post as an expert in the industry. Like if you're going into engineering or accounting or finance or journalism, you shouldn't position yourself as, a, as an expert because you're not an expert. You're just starting your career, but you should share your journey. You should share what you've learned. You should share some interesting things that you've learned or read from other top influencers in those industries. And you should add your voice and your personal brand to it. And uh, regardless of what major you are, I think creating a personal brand on LinkedIn is going to get you the visibility that you need to get offers and get started in conversations that maybe would have never happened just by applying online. Mm -hmm. Totally. I so agree. And one thing that caught my attention that I said is maybe you're not good at posting. You think because you're more on the introverted side, I'm mm -hmm. actually an introvert. And generally with me, um, I'm not good at, I don't know, not speaking, but I'm generally more on the shy side. And also it's actually hard for me to start posting. But I think it's a matter of you analyzing yourself, who you are. So I noticed with my friends, they all said I'm a super good listener. And like you said, I kind of can befriend almost anyone. Um, I'm very relatable in general of relating to people and their own struggles. And I think I have such a big kind of background from all kinds of places that helps me kind of relate to people. So that's exactly what I do with my content. I write to listen almost. I write to be able to help people and support them and because that's what I'm good at in real life. So I think the matter of being able to find what you're good at, what you're good at, what your friends say about you, what you think your skills are and how you can translate that to content. Like you said, it depends on you and your own personality for sure. That's amazing. Let's talk a little bit about personal branding on LinkedIn because you've done a really good job at building the personal brand. Aside from the building personal brand from creating content, it's about showcasing yourself. I love the hashtag. Tell me a little bit more about what made you decide to create your personal brand, to double down on your personal brand and to create a hashtag and, and even a company career and branding for like you do career and branding coaching. So tell me more about that. Yeah, so Percent Blast in general started because while I was growing up, uh, people would always tell me that I'm too tiny to do anything. I'm too quiet. Just that's who I am. I'm not very, when I walk into a room, I'm not shouting. A lot of people have like very colorful personalities. I'm not like that. I'm more quiet, reserved. And that's okay. And that's where Percent Blast started because even if you're the smallest person, um, you can make a big impact. You can make a huge blast if you're a small piece of dynamite. Um, and that's just my personal brand. That's what I stand for. If you're part of a minority group like me, if um, you struggle with certain things, if your circumstances aren't as well as you would like, I'm the kind of voice for people. I'm the big blast that they can create. And I love that because um, that just in every piece of content I make, it's to support other people. And that's just what Percent Blast is about. And I think it's powerful when you not label yourself in that kind of way, but you make a distinct personality for yourself and you kind of label that as something. And that's where the hashtag came from. And Percent Blast is just a translate, like a kind of extension of me. Um, if I'm supporting you, so career or your personal branding through my own story, that's when you seek me out. And it's been so incredible. Um, all I ever wanted was to help people. So I'm so proud of the community, so proud of what we're doing together. And it's just been a great experience. And I encourage anyone to think about 
what's my experience? What, what's my story? What's my specific talent? And how can I translate that, that it will resonate with people? How can I create content around personal brand? Because when you develop it, you kind of need to keep to it almost. So you can think of certain pillars. This is what I stand for. This is my brand. And then you keep working with it and just evolving it as you go along. Um, do you think you have a personal brand that's like labeled almost? So I've been trying to think of a hashtag. Like I, I think <laughs> you and Jonathan and Lizzie and um, you guys do such a good, Stephanie, Jerry, just do such an amazing <laughs> Tim. Um, I know well, a common friend of ours, Tim Salas, like Mr. Future of Work. Like he doesn't even have a hashtag. He has that. a title. Like that's amazing. I do, I do think I have a personal brand. Um, I was working, I'm going to, this is somebody that you, you have to meet. His name is Rick Keller. Um, he was a chief marketing officer for major brands like Godiva Chocolate, Planters. And he talks about your one word. Like what is the one word that describes you? And I went through this workbook. I kid you not, this workbook, a series of questions, so much self-reflecting, um, over three hours of conversations with him just to figure out what one word that describes me, what my brand is about. Not even mastering college to career, that my brand is so associated with mastering college to career as my company, and my word is grit. So when I think about, um, when I think about what my personal brand is, and whether it's mastering college to career or a future company that I create, the companies are there to help people overcome obstacles, right? It's to help them overcome and help them reach a potential they didn't even see that they could. Because if I think about my story and my journey, everything that I've accomplished, anything that's successful that I've accomplished has been because of grit, has been because I, I kept going until it happened. Like it was broke down a really big goal and broken down into small goals. And even when I failed, I got up and did it again, failed and got up where there is no way of denying me access to what I was trying to achieve. Like I am a terrible speller. It's probably what I'm most, um, what I'm most open about when it comes to my failures. Like I can't spell yet. I am a best-selling author. Like that, that to me is crazy. Yeah. And to think, um, and that is due to grit, right? That's to, to keep trying, keep writing and knowing that I couldn't do it alone and I had to get my wife involved to edit the book or I had to hire an editor to, um, to edit the book. And so I do believe I have a personal brand. I think I stand what I, what I try to incorporate in my content, whether it's through my brand or my personal content is that you can accomplish anything you want to do as long as you're work, willing to work for it. That's the key. You know, when people say you can do anything you want, the caveat is that you have to be willing to work for that. And the harder the goal, the bigger the goal, the harder you need to do to work there. Um, and I think that's been my story and I will continue to pursue that. And I know that I can accomplish any goal that I want, but now the goal comes down to, am I willing to work for that? Mm -hmm. So I always wanted to be a billionaire, like we were just growing up, but it was an ego goal. Like there's really no reason why I want, why do I need a billion dollars versus $10 million? Like $10 million would be enough. Like it's enough. And now the question is not whether can I be a billionaire is do I want to sacrifice what I need to the work that I need to put to get to that. Mm -hmm. Right. And the answer is no, I don't. Right. I, I think my relationships are more important than money. I think that uh, 
relationships are the true currency of life. And I do want to be financially independent and have generational wealth so that my kids don't have to deal with what I dealt with growing up. But I want to get to a point where I can still balance that and have a strong relationships, uh, be able to help and love and support people through their journey. And I think there is a happy medium and I'm working towards that happy medium. So yes, long story short, I do think I have a personal brand. I, I'm trying to figure out a cool hashtag. And I think um, I want to, and I empower all my students to have a personal brand. Um, I, one of my favorite professors in college, her name is Dr. Messiah. I had her on my podcast. I think it's like episode 17. And she mentioned something that really stuck with me. It's called, we are all a million dollar brand. Whether mm-hmm. you treat yourself like one or not, you are a million dollar brand. And we talk about this in, in, in the college perspective. Like if you graduate college and you make $50,000 a year for 20 years, you made a million dollars. So you are a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's up to you to determine to, to manage the narrative of that brand because you're not doing anything about it. It's still, that's your brand. You're yeah. the person who doesn't have a brand, who doesn't care about their brand, but everything that you put out on social media or you don't put out on social media, it's talking about you and your brand. No, I love that. I never thought of it that way, that you're kind of building your own nar- narrative, like you said, but that's totally it. And it's important that you take control of it, right? And you be proactive towards it. I, I really like that. Yeah. Hey, Daniel here. We've just hit the middle of the episode, but before we move on, I want to share the story of one of the students who recently went through my academy. Hey, everybody. I'm Ashley, and I'm currently a guest experience management intern at Walt Disney World. And quite honestly, uh, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for joining the Mastering College to Career Academy. Before the academy, I had a pretty good plan on where to go but I didn't know how to get there. So thanks to joining the Academy and going through all the content and just engaging with Daniel and you know, and himself on LinkedIn and everything, I was able to build up the courage, basically build up my resume and just apply for this amazing program that I'm a part of right now. Um, it, what's amazing is that I get to park every single day right next to um, the Tron construction. So I get to see all of that in action. Um, being a management intern and it's so great I absolutely love it and I recommend that you join as well so you can be a part of something great that's gonna help with your career and it's less than even a class like a college credit so definitely you get your money's worth uh, so please do it and just go out there and get your dream internship and or job so okay so yeah if you want me to help you reach your career goals just contact me. And now let's get back to the rest of the show. I want to talk to you about being an astronaut student, right? I am a first generation minority low income student, but I came to, uh, to the United States when I was eight years old. Mm. So I grew up in the school system of America. And even though I can relate to a lot of the struggles of international students and I mentor a lot of international students, I don't understand at all. I, I can't, I, I don't, I, I can't, I, I, I've struggled to getting understanding what it takes to get it to become a legal resident in the United States. That to me was a nine year journey to be, to be honest, I was illegal for nine years. Mm. Um, 
But when it comes to finding a job and not and being qualified yet not being able to get a job hurts me. And I struggle with that. Talk to me about that journey and what you ex- experience. Um, I still experience it every day. It's yeah. tough. I think it was a really hard pill to swallow that you are, you could be the best person in the room. You could be the most qualified, the smartest, the most hardworking, but because of your paperwork and because of where you were born, you're not going to get it. So I remember something that really affected me was I was applying for an internship. I did so well during the interview and then it was just a mail chain of them trying to understand my paperwork, not wanting to because it was too much work, even though I was qualified to work. It wasn't even that I wasn't, but they were so like, we don't have time for this. We'll just pick someone else. And, you know, this really affects you from like, not just, uh, how do I say it? <laughs> like, not just from an emotional thing, but it's, it really affects your confidence and if you're getting rejected all the time and it's not even about you anymore um it's tough and till this day even with a job secured I still struggle with paperwork and it's a really tough journey but I think it's about building resilience I think even though we have to work 50 times harder than a lot of other people we grow a lot faster we develop skills a lot faster and even though looking back, it was a very painful experience. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, you, you grow so much. And I think you develop the fact that you need to work smarter. You need to kind of find ways to hack the system. Um, really understand the system before you get into it. Do your best. Um, it, it makes you for really look, you look at the fine detail, really. <laughs> and yeah, I, I wouldn't change it for the world, even though it's, it's difficult. But it is what it is. In my experience, right, from the students that I mentor, I have found that the international students are brilliant, right? Especially the ones that are studying in America. The fact that you're able to get scholarships, not even scholarships, the fact that you're accepted into a school in America, a lot of them are STEM students. Mm-hmm. Technically brilliant. You know, I would say top of their class. And they're the most qualified students, you know, Believe it or not, in my experience, I'm telling you from someone that just talks to thousands of students every month, they happen to be the most qualified students every single time they're applying for the job. But because of that, the sponsorship, well, that question, will you now or in the future need sponsorship? It yeah. is such a disqualifier for them. And I struggle yeah. with that. Like I struggle with that and I can help open doors and help them get to the interview. But sometimes the companies don't want to go through the extra hurdles that it takes to do that. Um, but what I found, and, and if you're an employer and you're listening to me, from what I found is that going through it will be completely worth it to you because you gain very talented individuals, ones that will be loyal to, like they'll be loyal to your company because they'll be so grateful that you went through this, that even if a better opportunity comes out a month later, six months later, they're really going to think it twice and be loyal to you because they understand that you could have, you had an easier option. You took the hardest route. Um, and then, you know, worst case scenario, what you learn through this journey, you know, you are working harder. I tell my international students for us to find success together, you're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to put in two times, three times, four times the amount of hours that I expect another student, but you will come out of it even better. Right. Um, yeah. because once you do get the opportunity, 
then you're going to be more qualified. You're going to be more ready. And that is also what I feel like it happens with first generation and minority students. Just like, you know, for me, I didn't have the same guidance going through college. My mom didn't go to college. Um, my mom based my success in college just on one thing. How was my GPA? And that's because that's the only thing she could really know. Like, oh, do you have good grades? Yes or no. Um, and because I didn't have the guidance and me having to figure it out myself, I'm better off because of it. Right. Um, and sometimes I really do believe our, our obstacles become our biggest strengths. Our obstacles become our better, our, our competitive advantage. And if you're an international student listening to me, I think, you know, it is a harder journey, but the destination will be sweeter. And I think long-term success, I think you're going to be better off. I, I so agree, really. And I think when you're getting rejected, it makes you a smart, like, how can I bypass this? How can I think fast and like figure something out? That is a skill that's really needed by employers and in the long run will really help. That, that's really what I think. So I totally agree with that. In your experience, uh, where have you seen international students find success in getting jobs? Has it been through the traditional apply online or mm -hmm. has it been more through networking and referrals? Because every time I talk to an international student, minimum, they've applied to 200 plus companies. Yeah, it's, uh, it's about working smart, especially for us. So it's definitely about working. And a lot of the people I work with and myself, 95% of the time, it's through networking, through building those relationships, through thinking of the system and how you can crack it, basically. And yeah, sure, if you apply to a couple hundred jobs, a few will come through, but that's a lot of effort with very minimal results. If you take the time to I, like, I remember when I first started applying, I applied to 200 internships and like I only heard back from a few and I did get my internship at Intel, but looking back, it's very likely that that was very lucky for me. Um, with my full-time offer, I applied to all my favorite companies. So I don't think I applied to more than 10 with a success rate of like 90% or even more, I think when it comes to sending me interviews and really getting to the final rounds. So I think if you hone your skills and you really focus on what you want and really focus on networking, building long-term relationships with people that will support you, especially people who come from your same background, that, that those are the allies that will get you through this and really focusing, really personalizing your applications, making sure everything's perfect um, before you apply. That's, that's amazing advice. You know, I think it's important. How do you, you know, what advice, what other tips or advice do you have for international students that might be listening to this podcast and just feel like they're being like, 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 Hey, like this is just impossible. I think if something's broken, you need to find a way to fix it. So it, for the longest time, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't know what to do about this. And you know, you could either mope about it as, as that sounds, you can do something about it. So um, take that frustration, take that energy and just put it into fixing it. If something's not working, for example, if your content is not performing as much as you like, what can you do? What can you learn? How can you make it better? If your resume is getting rejected from the ATS or in general, what can you do to fix it? Can you put another person to look at it? If you're not bypassing interviews, what can you do? Um, so feedback super important. Use it to your advantage. Use it to re-strategize especially. Um, so sure, after I got rejected from Google and Facebook, actually in um, the last kind of rounds, and I was very frustrated. And they just told me, you know, you can try again. 
um, hear feedback, get more experience and come back to us. And I'm sure it'll work out. And that's exactly what I did. I didn't say, okay, I'm going to give up on this. Um, I went back, I got the experience, tried again, and led me to my full-time offer with LinkedIn. Um, use feedback, keep re-strategizing. And if you can't get feedback, get a friend or a career coach or someone to support you. Um, because otherwise, it's really not going to work out. You really need to do your best and you need to keep rerouting yourself and retrying and trying again and bypassing rejection, like we said before. That's amazing. Is there anything that you want to cover that we haven't had a chance to cover yet that you would want to make sure that people listening to this podcast know? Hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I, I really think we just like, especially internationals, if you're listening, do everything you can. Like, it's not a matter of just amplifying just your job materials. It's about really perfecting your interviews, really developing relationships with people, making sure your profile's on point, that you're creating content because all these small things are going to build up and that's what's going to make a difference. Um, and I think even after, even your rejections are going to count towards you getting an offer sometimes. So, you know, with my recruiters now at LinkedIn and with the people I speak with at LinkedIn, they know that I tried first. They know that I did my best and that I'm creating content and I really love this company. And that counted towards my full-time offer the second time. So it's really about you having all these building blocks, building on everything, trying again, trying everything you can. And I think that's what really makes a difference, that dedication and that work, like you said also before. I think it was you who posted one time on LinkedIn. It might not be you, but I can definitely see this being you. It's probably it. So I'm hoping I didn't mess this one up. But <laughs> You posted something about how you got rejected from a job mm -hmm. and that you replied back to the, to the recruiter and said, hey, thank you so much for considering me. Something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, and it said, what type of candidate you're looking for? Maybe I can help you find them. Yes, I did do that. Um, that was most. It was after I got rejected from Google. I was so upset. I really remember I was just moping around for a few days. But then I said, you know, an interview could be a networking opportunity. Every time you meet someone, like you relationships are a currency. How can I get this person to keep me in mind almost? And then I said, like, why, why don't I offer help? They are looking for a lot of candidates with a lot of different languages, language skills. I know a lot of internationals. Maybe I can help. And I asked her and she was super surprised because no one offers recruiters help. Um, people treat recruiters as a transactional relationship. And that's not okay. Um, this is someone who will advocate for you, who will keep pushing for you, who can remember you in the future. And you need to treat every relationship as such. Um, so yeah, think outside the box. Think of ways you can get this person to remember you. How can I spot myself? What could this person need? Um, relationships are so important. I wouldn't be here without them, to be honest, like point blank. Wow. Like, I want everybody listening to, you know, this whole episode is about rejection and how to handle rejection, right? And that we can, you know, she, she can go and give you a bunch of advice and how to, or, and I can come and give you some advice of my perspective, but the way that she, you just handle that situation is the definition of how to handle rejection properly, right? You get rejected from your dream company or one of your top companies, right? And you could have just said, thank you. Can I, and, and again, be selfish and say, can I get some feedback? So what can I get some feedback? Yeah. But instead you still could have asked for the feedback, but instead you said, how do I make it about them? How can I help you? 
understand and be self, you were self-aware to understand that she still has a job to do. She's still looking for a particular candidate that you might not have been the fit for, but maybe you know someone and you're adding value. That's how you build long lasting relationship is when it's a win win situation, when you can both add value to each other. That's you could really create a long, long lasting relationship. And you did that. Right. And no one expected that. And when you in the moments do something that is the complete opposite of what is expected, that is when you stand out. I'm sure that recruiter still talks to you today. She does. We're still friends. Um, it's really about making friends. So like you wouldn't like, how do I say this? When you have friendships, you treat them as a two way street. You make sure you check up on them. You make sure you take care of the person. What could they need right now? How can I help? And I don't know why that doesn't translate in business. Sometimes I don't like it should, that's how it should be. But think about this person as a human, a friend, uh, someone you want to take care of, think about help. And that's, that's like the biggest game changer. You need to check up on people, treat them as people, not their positions and what they can give you. And I understand it's a bad situation where you're desperate and you need a job, but the best thing is long-term relationship building, for sure. That's amazing. It, it really is amazing the way that you, you're talking about that because it, it, it is about treating people like a friend with respect. They are human too. Like at the end of the day, it is not you applying to a business. It is a human to human transaction and you have to treat it that way. And so I love the fact that you see it that way um, because it is so, so important. Any last things, any part of advice? Actually, I do have one more thing. I just thought about this because this is really important. Most of the times when I'm working with um, introverted students, um, Mm. they struggle with networking and putting themselves out there. You mentioned earlier in this podcast that you're naturally introverted what advice do you have for introverted students listening to this who are afraid to put themselves out there and to network and to build relationships oh i love that question i i i'm very passionate about intro being an introvert and i think the world in general really tries to push you to be as extroverted as possible but that's what you need to do and i think it's a balancing act so on one hand, you need to kind of push yourself. And I think some ways you can do that is if you go to a networking event, are there any particular stories when you say them, they come very natural to you? And are stories that maybe you've seen other people respond to very well? That's okay if you kind of bit prepared. It sounds unnatural, but I think it's totally okay. Go in with like a story bank, a few funny stories you know. And I also think when you're an introvert, you have a power of being an incredibly good listener and someone who is very, like you notice things about people. Use that to your advantage. When people speak to me and they tell me what's bothering them, I can use that to help them. Um, so recently I spoke to a professional who told me he was really struggling because people open up to you more because you are that good a listener. And that they're basically giving you what they need. And you can use that to your advantage when you network. Um, okay, this person is struggling. Maybe I can check up on them. Do I know any resources I can give them? People are more likely to give you the answers. Um, so I think that makes it easier and you need to use that to your advantage. So I say, first off, try to push yourself a bit more, have story banks, think of things you can talk to with people. You need to step out outside your comfort zone because people will really come to you. You need to go to them and use what your strengths are as an introvert to your advantage and use them to as a power, it's not something that is bringing you down. Use things to your advantage. Work with yourself. Don't push yourself down because 
society already does that. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I, you're, you've been amazing, guys. This has been awesome. Um, thank you so much for taking time to speak to me, to record this podcast. Thank you so much for being you, for being vulnerable with your audience, for, you know, talking about rejection, talking about the struggles of international students, just talking about it and, and making it public because, you know, you've encouraged me to open up more with my audience. And so thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my I heart. I love that. That makes me happy. And I'm glad it's making you more like empowered to share your story. That makes me so happy. And I had so much fun. Thank you so much for the invite. And yeah, I'm looking forward to us growing together and just making more positive impact together. I love it. What is the best way for individuals that listen to this podcast and they're going to relate to your story and they're going to want to talk to you. So let's give them a, an avenue. Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn under Basant Shinoda. Um, and in general, you can also search my hashtag Basant Blast to look at all my content. And if you want to reach me via email for speaking gigs or um, in general, just any career help, it's BasantBlast at gmail.com. And I'm always here to support and wishing everyone the best always. Love it. So if you're listening to this, all that, those links that she just shared will be on the show notes. So you can go ahead and download them on the show notes. I will 100% suggest you check out her LinkedIn, connect with her, follow her content. And if you can relate to her, she would be an amazing career coach for anybody as well. So um, guys, you guys have to connect with her. Don't sleep on this. And thank you guys so much for listening and catch you guys on the next episode. You've been listening to How to Get a Job College Student Edition. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. And if you use Spotify, go ahead and give us a follow so you'll be notified whenever we upload. Until the next time, catch you guys on the next episode.